You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> So professional. <laughs> you are professional. I gave a uh, young 25-year-old Matt Rife some bang energy. By the way, I want bang to sponsor my podcast. Um, God, and, that'd be nice. And so we're going to see if this how this affects you, man. You already feel it, though. You I feel, feel great. I feel, if I had titties, I, I think I'd get a sponsorship. <laughs> like, but that's all they really go for. Matt, you kind of do have titties. Thanks, man. It's now, nice to be noticed. By the way, one of the things I've noticed about you, Matt, and actually I was talking with Finesse Mitchell on the podcast uh, for some reason, which defies all la- laws of physics and gravity and everything I know about human behavior, uh, everyone loves you. That's not Be- true. Well, at all. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm not talking about internet trolls. Okay, I'm not talking about the people wanting to fight you on okay. the internet, okay. which we can get into. <laughs> but I'm talking about the comedy community, mm-hmm. like stand-up comics. Man, no one is saying bad things about Matt Rife. I think Laugh Factory comics like me. Comedy Store fucking hates my really? guts, dude. None of them like me at all. Anybody who anybody really who's like a regular at the Comedy Store doesn't really fuck with me. It's it's wow. weird. But yeah, That's you're so right. I've, I've, I've been very lucky. There's quite a bit of comedians who, who do like me. Because Finesse, like Finesse was like, you know, like, because I guess he was talking about uh, when he was, oh, he when he first came out here in 2000, mm-hmm. Uh, he was everyone's like little brother. Mm-hmm. He goes, you know how Matt Rife is like everyone's like little brother. Oh, that's sweet. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, I feel that way about him too. Um, Dude, I've known him for years. I did my second ever guest spot for him in Toledo, Ohio. In Toledo? When I was, I just turned sixteen. Holy! I drove shit. three hours from Columbus in the in a fucking <sighs> snowstorm to do wow. five minutes in tank. That's amazing. <laughs> it was so bad, dude. Well, one of the things I, I think is fascinating by you is you knew what you wanted to do early on, which a lot of comics don't. Yeah. Um. So I've known you for man. I'd say seven, seven years, I think. Uh, are you out of your mind, dude? No, ten. I met you. I met, no, not ten. Not ten. It'd be. I I met you t- eight eight years because you met me. At, you met Times Square at, Laugh Factory. So I was sixteen then. You were sixteen. I was visiting. Yeah. You're, so it was like nine so years. Eight, maybe. eight years eight, ago. Eight, yeah. Years ago. Um, and I remember you were sixteen and you showed up and you were scrawny <laughs> and your teeth were jacked. Yep. Um, and. Someone said, maybe you were with Finesse at the time. I don't remember. I think it was my manager at the time, Gary. You had a manager when you were 16? Damn, yeah. So, But you showed up and, and I had a college night. Mm-hmm. that was. And the only reason the college night got popular was because it was at the birth of, it was like right when Facebook kind of started, like 2007, mm-hmm. 2008. And I was doing promotions on Facebook. Smart. So before anyone was doing that. So like I would get like all these like young kids from like Pratt mm-hmm. to show up and um and I think you were there, and I, I, I remember giving you a spot. I remember you yeah. doing the show. Did like, th- like a hot five? <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but I remember going, but uh, I don't remember what your jokes were, but I remember going, I don't like oh, it. this guy's not going to be good, and being like, first of all, confident, big dick energy going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's creepy. Now I'm a pedophile. Uh, when I was 16, the kid's got a big old dick. I can feel he's it. He's got a big old dick. <laughs> so, uh, but you were, you were confident, and... And you you had jokes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you were a kid up there. You were sometimes you'll see young guys like teenagers on stage, and and you're like, "Did Daddy write your jokes for you?" Yeah, you see that a lot. Mm-hmm. People doing really sophisticated jokes about like you know dating's hard. I'm like, motherfucker, you're 12. Exactly. Um. So or it's like real kid jokes. Like, man, my bicycle broke <laughs> down. It's like oh, I guess. Do you remember your first jokes? Yeah, kind of. Um. One of which would not fly now at all. I had, uh, I said the Q word, which I'm not even allowed to say anymore. What's a Q? Queef? I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> yeah. Wait, not queer. Yeah, that one. But queer is a word that, that is accepted in the culture of. Yeah, I guess it's not the F word. LGBTQ, yeah, yeah, queer. right? Yeah, I, queer. I said queer. The first joke I think I ever did was I had like, I had like spiky gelled hair, and it was yeah. something like, "Hi, <laughs> my name is Matt Rife." My uh. Uh, no, I'm not Justin Bieber. My hair is cool and ultimately sperm-free. I think that was my first joke I ever told By the on way, stage. Ultimately sperm-free is a kind of genius turn of phrase. Thanks, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it was ultimately. garbage, but thank you. <laughs> ultimately sperm-free. Ultimately. It says a lot of different things right there <laughs> in that phrase. Um, so you, you, and you came to New York. So let's back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, uh, you grew up in 
not Toledo. You grew up in where? Just outside of Columbus, Ohio. In Columbus. Yeah. Which I don't even know where the fuck Columbus is. I don't Dead even... center. <laughs> Dead center. Okay, it's right there. Landlocked. Uh-huh. You're in Columbus. Not a lot going on in Columbus, I imagine. Not, a, especially in my hometown. It's about an hour west of Columbus. An like, hour west? Yeah, what like was it called? North Lewisburg. Now, is that farm country? Oh, yeah, dude. You know how like you know how schools have like school spirit week where it'll be like twin day or like yeah. you know, America day or some shit like that? We had drive your tractor to school day. Holy and like the rich, fuck. cool kids would all drive their tractors while the rest of us drove the fucking you grew up. Bus. You grew up in Footloose. Oh, dude, yeah, no dancing. <laughs> Primarily because it was all white people. But like, <laughs> dude, it was uh, it was. A horrible, horrible town. Like two thousand people tops. Yeah, nothing to do. Surrounded on corn, surrounded by cornfields all over. Yeah, and my uh, my mom and my grandpa would uh, would take me to the open mic at the Columbus Funny Bone. How uh, how 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 old are you? Started fifteen. So you're fifteen now. When I was fifteen, I was still like, should I jerk off with my left hand or my right (laughs) hand? So at fifteen, have the presence of mind to say. There was no. I imagine there was no one in your family or anyone around you pushing you to do this. This is something. Um, how did it come about for you? My grandpa is like a huge part of kind of just how I got into comedy and acting. I guess in the first place, like growing up, I used to go spend every weekend at his house. We would just watch movies all oh, yeah. day, every day for the entire weekend. Like I was always watching Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, and stuff like that. And I was like, I guess I was always a funny kid, especially in my family, and. Uh, yeah, so he was kind of like, I mean, it was just like a recreational thing. They were like, sure, after school, 8 o'clock or whatever, go do five minutes. But then, like, it kind of started to snowball. My grandpa, like, you know you know how there's, like, bringer shows, right, where it's like, you know, oh, yeah. five people have to come. Yeah. So for the Columbus Funny Bone, five people had to come, right? But they only had to see that five people bought tickets to see you. So my grandpa would buy five tickets. Oh, wow. And it would just be him. <laughs> <laughs> So then, like everybody else would bring, you know, their five people. But like for me, he just he, he would pay twenty five dollars and yeah. get five tickets. So like, you you grew up with a single mom? Uh, I had I had a stepdad, but like he was total piece of shit. Like we we shit. never got along ever. Not a single thing in common. Like nothing. Yeah. So I mean, b- basically, yeah. But he's not around now, right? No, they got divorced a couple years ago. Oh, good. Fuck after that I was guy. already gone. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah like, goddamn well, mom. Like- <laughs> Could you've done that a little? Yeah. Um, did he support your comedy at all? Was your stepdad even part of that uh, world? Nah, I think he came to like maybe maybe two shows ever yeah um okay. I, uh, I mean i don't really it's weird i don't do my family's so weird but i don't do any family material why all. do you think you don't i don't know i'm never good at talking about like super close personal stuff to me i don't know why i just can't think of anything funny which about is it. completely i by the way i completely get that because i have i have a daughter from from a one night stand mm-hmm. which i think we talked about and people you gotta do jokes about that and there was a time when i was like here we go uh-huh and I auditioned for Montreal with a, a bit about having one night stand, uh, the mother telling me that she was pregnant and it was either my baby or Matt LeBlanc's baby, and doing a whole act out about like Matt LeBlanc's sperm versus uh-huh. like my white trash <laughs> sperm. And and then I would bring a picture of my daughter on stage. Oh, and my shit. daughter looks 100% like me. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh, and I thought it would be really – and it just I just remember going like, it feel it felt so manufactured, like forced, forced, mm-hmm. and also like I have to tell this story, yeah, every every day in a way where I go, let me tell you my story about my daughter. That felt mm-hmm. like I just want to tell a dick joke today. You yeah. know what I mean? I want to talk about how how women are pissing me off. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Because because the story, the, there was no point of view in the story in terms of like I'm telling you this story because I feel this way about this. Mm-hmm. It's just like here's a here's a biopic story. Yeah, like like I have like a, one story I like doing right now is about going on the date with this vegan girl because it ties into like my political beliefs mm-hmm. as a liberal who hates liberals. Yeah, it's a right? perfect transition. So um so but the daughter thing so I I understand the idea of not bringing up. Have you tried it and it just never took? I mean a little bit in like my first years that I was doing I was like just trying to because I was so young everyone just kind of expected that. Yeah. So I was like I mean, and also like being young you don't like you don't know too much else anyways. Yeah. But. Yeah, just nothing about it was I was like, oh, my mom does this and it's hilarious. <laughs> like nothing, man. Yeah. It's so weird. Just it's just not funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. So uh, do you do you have any do you have any like I have two bits about my mom. Mm-hmm. One where it's just a silly bit where it's like, hey, you must get a lot of pussy in LA. She's got no teeth and mm-hmm. diabetes belly. And I go, not really, mom. And that's obviously not really my mom. Uh-huh. But it's kind of my mom. Yeah. You know, my, my uh-huh. mom had a mullet for a large mm-hmm. part of my life. And my mom doesn't have teeth right now, and she does have diabetes. <laughs> um, 
But there's also a feeling of like I I feel a little bit bad betraying my mom mm-hmm. that way. Like I don't want her to see it. Yeah. And you're really close to your mom too. So is yeah, it private- relatively? Yeah. I mean, but she's seen me do like she comes to all my shows that she can. Like she's yeah. she's a great supporter. Um, she's she's seen me say so many ridiculous <laughs> things. Like it'll be like an older woman in the front row. I'd be like seventeen. There'd be like a thirty-five <laughs> year old in the front row who's kind of like, go on. And I'm like, I will fuck you. And my mom's in the back. Like, oh my god. I just when I'm on stage, I'm like, I'm not thinking about it. But as soon as I get off, I'm like, did did you see that? <laughs> it's always a little bit weird. But my mom, ha- my whole family has like no filter. Like they're no not filter. shocked by anything. So you've never done anything where your mom was like, Matt. Maybe this joke is too far. I Maybe don't think thing. so. No, not that she's ever mentioned. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the only the only time I even mention her in a set isn't even like about her. Really, it's I, I say that she's uh uh oh like the reason I don't go back to Ohio is because LeBron's not there anymore, and like yeah. my mom still calls me to be like, "Are you coming home for the holidays?" I'm like, "Why, bitch? You don't have any, you don't have any rings." <laughs> and, I, and then the crowd owes, and I'll be like, "Cause she's divorced." And like uh, that's really like the only time I even mention her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even that's still kind of like shitting on her a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, like that's that like sense. the extent of it. No, no real family stuff. It's yeah. weird. I'm I'm I can feel myself finally starting to find my voice. And it's dark, dude. It's so dark. Well, give me an example. Like, uh, I'm just talking about real shit all of a sudden. It's so weird. Like, um, talking about a lot of racial stuff, like, especially because, like, you know, like, all of my friends are black. So, like, it's that's a large part of my life that I it's, it's finally starting to click and I'm finding the humor in it. Yeah. Like, humor that I would just do conversationally. Like, now I'm starting to be like, oh, shit, this could be a bit. I'm, I'm starting to talk about, like, those old tweets that got dug up of mine and stuff like well, that. Well, I, 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 I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I kind of sure, want to talk man, about I don't that. Care. Um, there's so much stuff, man. I've known you, I know you for a long time. First of all, um, I, I did want to uh, get to the the story of you the first time you went on stage. Was that mm. was that a moment, or do you not really remember? I mean, some people are like the first time I went on stage, this was something. I just I'm curious about um, as a 15 year old, was it your grandfather? You, you just said I'm going to fucking do this. Were you scared out of your mind? I was I was excited. I was really excited. Um, I uh, I definitely was biting Daniel Tosh's style because like at that moment he was kind of like the biggest thing oh, kind of yeah. blowing up yeah and like Tosh point was in like season two like it was huge <laughs> I was definitely like trying to edge like that or whatever um, but I remember like being on the little on deck circle and I'm like you next and like just being kind of fine but as soon yeah. as they said Matt Rife and I was walking to the stage I was like oh I'm gonna shit like I was so nervous for like yeah. a split second get on stage I do like two minutes of the five. Mm-hmm. And I just forget everything. I kind oh, of wow. freeze. And I'm like, um, not really. I, I'm kind of freezing. And perks of being 15, the crowd was kind of like, <laughs> it's all right. It's, all right. it's okay. We love you. On. And like, I was like, oh, okay. Now I remember. And like, I finished it. <laughs> and like, it, it wasn't a bad set. Yeah. Like, I got a lot of laughs. I mean, looking back, it was fucking terrible. But like, as far as first sets can go, yeah. like, it wasn't bad. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was fun. It fun enough for me to keep doing it. Um, and then my second, no, it was my third time ever was, is definitely more memorable just because it kind of set the tone of how I, my confidence on stage. I found out I'm not a big act out comic after my third time on stage. Oh, really? Cause I was like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. I'm going to commit to this big physical <laughs> bit cause I've had two decent shows now. Yeah. And dude, I do this whole bit where I'm like. It's like an aggressive cry, basically. <laughs> like I'm fucking, I'm on my hands and knees, like, uh, like just belly fake crying, and like that's supposed to be the big punchline. <laughs> and I remember being on my hands and knees and being like, uh, 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 to just, and then silence. That's and so I have to like funny. get up off my hands and knees to a room just staring at you. And I, it was like the most embarrassed I've ever felt. And I was like, I will, I won't do this again. That's so funny. And to this day, I, I don't really commit to anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do, you do a little bit of act out, but but not like on my hands and like yeah. on the ground or no shit like okay, that. Okay, so I'm, I, I used to be a, I mean, I'm still like an act out comic. I used to be a huge act out comic mm-hmm. and shit. Um, and I was coming up with Dalia, and we would talk about the idea because we both had bits. I had bits where I'd be literally on my head mm-hmm. texting, like no, no hands, just on my head. But my, oh my, God. my body gets well, and I'd be on my head and I'd be like texting because I'm looking for reception. The uh, idea is like, and I use my legs for antennas and mm. shit. It was like, it was such now, and it would work sometimes. Yeah. But we would talk about this. If you do a bit where you fall on the ground and you don't get an applause break, uh-huh. getting up is the 
fucking most humiliating moment Dude, of your life. Dude, it's like life. getting knocked out in front of everybody. <laughs> you're like, oh, fuck. Like, it's so embarrassing. And then when you're in your 30s, you have to, like, push on your knees to oh, get up. No. Oh, no. It <laughs> clicks a little bit. <laughs> Damn. Oh, man. It's the worst. Um, so, yeah, by the way, even if you do act out more, going on the ground is definitely, like. It's, <laughs> that's, it better be fucking funny. I was watching Finesse Mitchell last night. Finesse Mitchell does a bit about drunk women leaving the bar in Great Vegas. Bit. Great bit. And he goes, he, he goes, and there's always the one fat girl who's like taking off her shoes. Like, I'm sitting out, and he sits down, and it kills. Mm-hmm. But because he knows it's a great bit. Yeah. But if that didn't kill him, like you're just sitting on the fucking ground. That first time you try it, you're oh. like, fuck, please be funny. Please be funny. <laughs> it's scary, dude. Yeah. You know, I do not recommend falling down or getting on the ground. I used to do the worm on stage. Again, you used to do the worm? I used to do the worm. The, the bit was... It's actually still a decent bit, but I don't really do it that much because there's no real point of view. The bit was like, I had a black girlfriend, but I would never want to date a black girl because you'll never win an argument with a black girl because uh-huh. they just repeat the same thing over and over again. Uh-huh. And they go like, like, am I allowed to go to the back? I don't, no, am I allowed to go to the back? Am I allowed? And I start doing like a dance. Am I allowed yeah. to go? Do <laughs> it turns into like, a step to routine. Yeah. A step routine, and I get ground and start doing the worm. Which is completely extraneous. It's funny though. Yeah, the, but, o- uh, the only physical bit I ever did that like I stuck with it was, I mean, not it was hacky as fuck. But it was like when I was doing a bunch of black rooms growing up, I used to do a Boys in the Hood reference. Like I would like I would be talking to somebody in the crowd, huh? like just doing some crowd work, yeah. and I'd be like, "All right, well, I'm gonna leave you alone because I don't want the end of my set to go like that scene from Boys in the Hood." And I would like be like, "All right, good night," and walk away and like just go like boom, boom, like hit myself in the chest <laughs> with the mic and just fall backwards. Like just I remember fucking up my knee so many times, just I was committing so hard. But like. It was such a hacky bit that like I knew it was gonna work. That's yeah. the only thing that I that I ever did that hit the ground that actually worked. And it would work. You'd be like, good night, guys. Exactly. Um so and your your inculcation into black culture mm-hmm. and hip hop culture, being a kid from a farm in Dude, in Ohio. I know. It's so weird. How did that come about? Were you just always a fan S- of rap? So the <laughs> I'm such an old guy. Were you a fan of the rap? Do you like the hip hops? <laughs> I uh, it's weird. So there was only three black kids in my entire school, and they were my best friends since since uh, since kindergarten. Yeah. Um, they lived right. Two of them were twins, and they lived right next door to me, Derek and Devin. And the other one lived like two houses down past that. His name is Brendan, and they were cousins, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and for whatever like for whatever reason, just growing up next to each other, we, we became best friends. So like with that, I. Started hanging out with their families more and um, like going like vacations and stuff with them. Oh wow! And it was just like and I, were they like were they like black culture? Was it like grape, um, grape drink and and Sunday church and a red, little bit of both? Red Lobster jazz brunch type of a thing. A little bit of both. Like yeah. we lived in a very very white town, so like it was very conservative yeah. black. But like it was definitely like oh white people don't do this. Yeah, <laughs> like, would you go to like a Sunday church with them? Like holy shit! No, we had a very white church. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's weird, man. My my entire life, I just ended up always becoming friends with, with black people instead of white people. To this day, it's like I think I have like two, maybe three white friends. You, <laughs> That's in, crazy. you included. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's not a lot. It's weird. White people do not fuck with me. Really, black people do. It's so weird. I, you know, I think that part of it for me is like I had two older brothers that were really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I never had a little brother, so I see like a cool younger guy. I'm always like, hey, man. I can be a big brother too. Aww. Because my brothers were both geniuses. Uh-huh. And like when Goodwill Hunting came out, I called mm. Jim. I go, Jim, there's a movie about you. What? Because Jim, he was like you. He liked, he wanted to brawl all the fucking time. Man, you remember when Goodwill Hunting came out? That's crazy. <laughs> what year was that, man? Was that 91? Dude, Goodwill Hunting. Damn, dude. That wasn't 91, motherfucker. It was like 98. That's still so long. I was three, depending on the month. Oh, fuck you. Anyway, um, so uh, so when did you get a manager? You got a manager in in Columbus from in they Atlanta. Saw oh, in Atlanta. So it was a really weird turn of events. Um, so I did my first ever guest spot for DL Hughley Whoa. at the Columbus Improv. He let me do five minutes. He ended up inviting me to stay the entire weekend and do the shows with him. And I like I recorded my sets. And, and you're 16 on, at this time, uh, 50 still. I think I was still 15 at this time, yeah. maybe about to turn 16. Yeah. And I recorded my set, put it on YouTube, and I put it on my, my Twitter and stuff. And I'm, like, DL and I were cool. Like, we just we would tweet back and forth with each other, funny stuff. And this guy who owned a comedy club called the Uptown Comedy Corner in Atlanta, his name is Gary. And um, he saw me on there. And he, this guy has found and made, like, a, a, a lot of stars. Um, it's, it's weird. Like, they all – 
all of them kind of end with how it ended with me. Like you just kind of get to a point where he, you kind of have to go bigger a little yeah, bit. Yeah, of course. Great guy. Like we're still like, like we're like family. So he was, still. he was like your manager. Yeah. 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 He invited, he hit me up on Twitter. Was like, I own this comedy club. I'd love to fly you and your mom down. Like talk about management, like do my, perform my club and stuff. So we went down there. And, uh, yeah, he became my manager and my mom let me actually move to Atlanta for like two and a half months Wow! with a summer between my junior and senior year. And that's really where I got like my chops in. Cause I was doing like nine to 11 shows a week. Just like anybody these... who was headlining there, I was, I was hosting or doing a guest spot every single show. And, and so who, I mean, deal hugely, obviously huge. Yeah. Who else did you have coming around? Um, who else, who else did I do? Was it an urban room for? too? Oh, the Uptown Comedy Corner? Yeah. Dude, it's the most ghetto room I've ever heard of in existence. Like it, any comic who's from Atlanta will tell you that. Like yeah, it yeah. is like if you're not funny, like they would take out their car keys and everybody would just start jingling them. Holy at you. shit. Like, worse than a boot, dude. It was crazy. <laughs> oh my god, they had like a ritual. Oh yeah, and and you know, like black crowds either like they either love you or they fucking hate you. There's yes. no in between. It's like There's you've no got in to between. be funny. Which I think naturally just coming from like always being around black people there was just like a natural like um what's the word uh, like comfortability yeah yeah and yeah. i feel like they could like see that they could see that of course yeah so like they gave me the opportunity to be funny like no yeah. one was like what is this white and also if you're funny? 16 and you're not you're the jokes aren't landing they're not gonna be like fuck that motherfucker you that's know, definitely a leg up a little bit you have for sure yeah, up yeah. until i'd say about I'd say until about 20, people will yeah. probably give you that yeah. leg up. Yeah. Once you be like 21, people are like, all right. All right, motherfucker. You got to say yeah. something. Exactly, exactly. And luckily, to this day, I've never been booed. You never um, got the key jangle. Never got the key jangle. Never been booed. Um, I used to, I mean, I've had plenty of sets in silence, which de- <laughs> debatably I think is worse than getting booed. Oh, getting well, yeah. booed is like, okay, I can get off stage. Thank God. And, and booed is also like a reaction that you can work with. Mm-hmm. Oh, why do you boo that? Really? Yeah. Or whatever. You know, you can play it there. But like silence is like, I got to keep trying. <laughs> Finesse actually, excuse me. Finesse actually told me the worst thing, the worst reaction he ever got from a joke was, I think, excuse me, this bang energy is making bang me energy. so much. Um, I think he said it was in Atlanta. He told a joke and he said a woman in the front row literally just went, like just sucked her teeth. <laughs> you could hear the her teeth row. sucking. You could hear all of it. <laughs> I was like, damn, I sh- just no chance at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's that is like an amazing trial. You're 16. You're at the most ghetto urban room. Yeah, probably in the maybe in the country. Probably, I, I, debatably, definitely top five for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, and you and they're like dealing drugs out the back. Like you don't want to be in the parking lot by yourself afterwards. Yeah, like it, it was a sketchy ass club. And you would but... like well, you'd walk home by yourself afterwards. And no, room. no, no. I mean, he would drive me back. Like, yeah. I was crashing at his place at the time. Yeah. Like luckily, he was there most of the time. And if not, like actually, no, take that back. I wasn't crashing at his house the whole time. I stayed for the first like two weeks, and then I crashed at another comic's couch for the rest of the two months. Oh wow, man, that's really cool. So Atlanta happens. You mm-hmm. do that time. You're like, dude, I gotta actually like. Go to a market that is a little bit bigger than this. And yeah. you move to New York, or where do you go? Nah, well, I uh, after that summer, I was like, this is definitely what I wanted to do. Nobody in my family's ever been to college, so there was no like pressure to do yeah. that. I hated school. So I was like, I, w- I want to do stand up. And he, my manager at the time, actually, he he flew me out to L.A. with him, and we like we hit, we we did like chocolate Sunday, all the black rooms in L.A. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so weird. Mobile Mondays. A lot of people ask like, why why black rooms so much? And it's because black black comics and black promoters and black people in general are, are more apt to giving you opportunity. Like they want to be like, yeah, well I'll, I'll give you a chance. White, white comics and, and white promoters and bookers, they're not as open to it. Interesting. Like I would just always find stage time with black rooms for some reason. Like they were just way more welcoming. Yeah. It's also like something like chocolate Sundays, for example, mm-hmm. which you've done and I've done a bunch mm-hmm. like you, you will go to a, a chocolate Sunday night where nobody on the lineup is a draw. No. Uh, some nights where no one's a drop, but it'll be packed. Yeah, because they are going for the Chocolate Sunday Comedy Show. Mm-hmm. They're going for comedy. It's loyalty to that brand. They're not going because they're like, oh, Jeremy Piven's here, or yeah. blah blah blah. They're going because they just want to see fucking comedy. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I, but I feel that's just true with with urban crowds in general, like yeah. Uptown Comedy Club in mm-hmm. New York, which I I would never have the balls to do when I was <laughs> when I was doing the old Times Square Laugh Factory days. But that was that was packed every fucking night mm-hmm. every every time they had a show and i feel like with white crowds you have to kind of you have to like urge crowds to come in and they've got to be impressed people. a little bit before they even come yeah so what tv show are you on exactly um and there's something about the fact that that urban audiences or black audiences i hate using the word urban let's be honest it's fucking black audiences yes that they um <laughs> that when you're killing you're killing mm-hmm. 
and you're not killing because your friends are there laughing or mm-hmm. people like like your face and they want to laugh. They're mm-hmm. la- they're, they're they're authentically laughing. Yeah, they don't have they don't to owe laugh. you shit. They don't owe you shit, man. <laughs> not a damn thing. They spent their money. Yeah, like they want to laugh at funny shit. Yeah, I'm gonna be in Oakland next week for the debut of the Chocolate Sunday show there. And are you doing re- um, Tommy T's? Is it the complex? No, Chocolate Sunday's having their first show outside of LA there, and they nice. they had me on the show. I gotta tell you, man, I'm I'm a little nervous, man. Are you really? Yeah, I am. Don't be, dude. Well, I've I, I've been phasing out of of urban shrooms and urban shows mm-hmm. because we're different comics. Um, I I think that for me, in in my at my worst, I can tend to go towards being a clown. Mm-hmm. And being a white clown in a black room can be very effective. Can be. When you're like, once you go white, your vagina stays tight. Mm. Oh, shit. Yeah, they'll oh, eat that up. Oh, fucking, here's my neck going. <laughs> here's I'm breakdancing. And they love it, mm-hmm. you know? But I start feeling like, what the fuck am I doing, man? Yeah. I don't want, I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about pop, like political shit, uh-huh. what's going on in the world. I want to piss people off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to talk about vegans. So um, I'm a little bit nervous. Like, am I going to, like... Which one are you gonna be? I mean, hopefully, I'll like I'll like thread the thread the line and do both. You I mean, know? yeah, maybe you can we interweave both of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, uh, I want to go back to you. So you were um, you've been doing the urban rooms, which mm-hmm. is and and you go to New York. So what what was the first like kind of break for you? When when something happened? That oh was- oh oh. So um so yeah, I graduated high school early, moved out here at seventeen, and uh, I was just kind of I was living on my friend's couch and. Uh, you know, this is when I started like just I was hanging out at the Laugh Factory. Remember when like they wouldn't even let me in? The yeah, club. You, you'd be upstairs. The lobby you'd be upstairs, upstairs in the MVP, mm-hmm. and I'd come up there. You'd be like, "Hey, man," and this is when your teeth were still fucked up. Yeah, dude, I had I had Ohio teeth. So hard. what people what, <laughs> <laughs> what people don't realize about Matt Rife, and you know, not to sound hashtag no homo hashtag LGBTQ inclusive. Um, <laughs> you, I don't say that you were you weren't like an ugly duckling mm. per se. Um, I. I f- you know, I was like, I went from being like an ugly duck to like an okay looking duck. Uh-huh. But you, your your transition from like boy mat to man mat, uh, definitely like, um, not. I, w- I don't say it was jarring to people, <laughs> but it was definitely no, one of those dude, things. I like a different person. People it's crazy. were like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, like if you did, if you met me at like seventeen, and then you met me like right now, you'd be like, uh... <laughs> yeah. If you met Matt at seventeen, you're like, that guy's never gonna steal my girl. Absolutely not. And now I probably fucked her. No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. Now no, you're no. like, uh, keep your girl away from Matt Ripe. No, I'm kidding. It's so weird, dude. It, it just kind of hit overnight, man. So yeah, I was hanging out. Uh, I was just hanging out at the clubs, just like you know, I'm just showing face. Just, I, I do comedy, hoping someone yeah. would vouch for me. And eventually, Jamie Masada gave me an opportunity and everything. But yeah, I was uh, really just. Doing the show, the face circuit, hitting up. I was getting spots at like the J spot, yeah, or um, like crack 'em up Thursdays and stuff like that. Again, black rooms, yeah. And uh, I, I, I finally was like, I'm, I don't have any money. And I was still paying four hundred dollars a month to sleep on a couch, yeah. And uh, I got a job at Ralph's, um, just on the spot. I was like, what Ralph's? Um, Rock and Roll Ralph's and Sunset? No, no, it was the one on Fountain. Do you know that one? Okay. Like Fountain and like La Brea or something yeah, like okay. that. And uh, the woman working the cash register, I guess, was like also the manager. <laughs> and uh, overheard me talking to my manager who was in town and uh, so talking about how I needed a job, whatever. She was like, you, want, you need a job? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she was like, I'll hire you. And I was like, just like that? She was like, yeah, you want to be a bag boy? And I was like, That's, I get I have to. So I, uh, I was literally about to do I, – I auditioned for Wild and Out. And the day before I was supposed to start training, the day before they called and were like, uh, we want to have you come to New York to do the show. And I was like, fucking thank God. So was that, wow. So you got that show after one audition? Yeah, uh, we, we had, uh, it was weird. We had one audition and they flew, they flew us out for the callback. Oh, wow. Like very, like a select, I think it was like six of us or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of like my first big break. Yeah, no, Wild Out was, I mean, Wild Out is it's still going on, right? <sighs> yeah. Season what? <laughs> Fucking I think 16? I, I, I think I auditioned. Know. I auditioned. I did audition for Wild Now like early on, mm. and I think I was already like thirty. I don't know something, and I was like, I felt like in my thirties, like ah, I'm too fucking old for this shit. I'm dude. Some of those dudes are like in their mid forties. You, oh, really? re- you don't even realize it. Yeah, I'm like they're like. But also, 40. I'm like, I can't freestyle rap to save my fucking. I mean, neither life. could I. Really, it's weird. I got good at it. Like, I mean, 
I, I was able to write because I mean, yeah. it's just not all improv. Spoiler alert, listeners. Yeah, I know, of course. Um, but like, I, I, I learned to write and stuff pretty, pretty much after I got done on the show. Yeah. But um, luckily, they just needed a new white person. So yeah. like, I mean, there wasn't a lot of us audition. Who, did you, who are you replacing? Uh, Pete Davidson. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know he was on Wild and Now. He did, a, he did one season and then he got SNL the next year. Wow, so you replaced like, Pete Davidson, and now he's replaced. He replaced you later. Hilarious. Okay, you can have that. Um, <laughs> so we can get to that later. That hurts. <laughs> So, uh, so you're you're doing Wild Now now Wild Now. If people don't know, it's an MTV show where now. By the way, when I would watch that show as I was prepping for the audition, it would give me agita because it struck me as a very look. When I watch roast battles mm-hmm. and we roast who we love, I would know the inside track that fucking Lisa Lampanelli hates this motherfucker. This motherfucker mm-hmm. hates him, and like I would know that deep down mm-hmm. there was a lot of resentment and anger. Yeah. So when I would watch Wild and Out, I'm like, yeah, you're all homies, but are you homies? Dude, no, absolutely. Some of them are, but some of them, no. It's yeah. like, it's, it's very, very selfish Because show. you just have to, like, shit on people for the whole show. Yeah, and you're fighting for stage time. There's only two microphones, one on each team. So, like, yeah. everybody's kind of grabbing at it, trying to get it and get your Is nothing improv? Is everything just scripted? It's like, it's like 60-40. Yeah. 60-40 written. Yeah. So I mean, there is improv, yeah. but I mean, we we get like the morning of basically, yeah, to to, to, to prepare some shit because we find out like what games, who's perform, like who's the guest is, who if you're even on that episode. Uh, so I mean, it's not a lot of time to prep at all. It's like an hour or two. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just I got on at a bad time. I think like I used to love the show when it first started. You know, when it was like D. Ray, mm-hmm. Corey Holcomb, Kevin yeah, yeah. Hart, Cat Williams. Like that was the show I loved. When I got on is when they started to also bring on like social media people and the oh. shit. They're just not funny, dude. Yeah. Tim DeLaghetto, the Asian dude on there, is the only, I'd say the only internet person I actually find funny like in real life. Yeah. It's, I just, I don't fucking get it. And it doesn't translate to TV at all. Yeah. But the network and Nick all kind of think that millions of uh, followers uh, well, translate to views, and it and it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, I think that was the whole thing. And just because if you get, say, you get ten million people watching, n- now you have 10, pe- 10 million people watching a bad show. Yeah, it's like it doesn't make it good. And they're gonna watch it once and be like, nah, I'm done. Exactly. It's yeah. like it, the quality went down when they started caring about quantity, and I was like, I, I I wanted out, so I I left after three seasons. I feel like it, it was a great platform. So three seasons for me. Is, is a strong yeah, I, run. I had I had a good time. I feel like I got out of it what I could have got out of so it. So you had to like quit. On. Yeah. Or was like were like option to renew you just didn't take or was yeah because like, after yeah it was, it was season by season they came back around for the fourth one I was like I, I just, it's not for me anymore so at this point uh, you're obviously on MTV's radar and they want to bring you on TRL Total Request Live yeah. which is another thing that had a heyday uh huh um, I never I don't think I ever saw you on Total but I know you pretty well now and I know that is not. The Matt Reif I know. Dude, I, I can't no. imagine you you loving it. it dude, it was <laughs> – I was living in New York and having the worst time of my life. Like I, I was – Living in New York on TV and like 20, 21, this. 22 years old, living in, in the middle of Times Square, yeah. like fucking penthouse apartment, yeah. making 15 grand a week. Like Jesus. money that like my family couldn't even imagine ever having. Yeah. And I was the most miserable I could have ever wow. been. It was, it was just a lie from the jump. So what about it was like hit you like that? Well, when they approached me to do it, I was like, instantly, I was like, no, I don't want to host. Like, it's yeah. not what I want to do. That's, you can get pigeonholed and just being that forever. I was like, I, I yeah. don't want that. I, I want to act and do comedy and like name a famous host. Like Ryan Seacrest is not here doing it. movies. Yeah. And, uh, and they were like, well, they, they, what they said the show was going to be was going to be me and DC Young Fly from Wild and Out. It was okay. going to be like our two show. And like they knew both of us wanted to act. So like we're going to do sketches, let you guys do your comedy and stuff like that. And I was like, mm, I don't know. And they're like, here's a stupid amount of money we're going to give you. Yeah, okay. And uh, they were like, yeah. yeah how could you, how be, could you consider turning out that money at that age? Yeah, I know. That's, I mean, that's honestly but that's, was that's actually point. amazing, man. Exactly. I was like, you know what? Within a year, I could be like – close to a millionaire if i do this show for an entire year yeah i get there oh, oh they called me on a friday and there and i was like all right well like can you give me like a couple of days to think about it I'm like no we need you here monday i was like you need me to move to new york Jesus. over the weekend and they were like yeah so i mean i kept my my apartment in la and everything because like what was a thousand dollars a month at that time you know? yeah 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 and uh i get there there's two other hosts, two females, who were lovely. They were great. Had no problem with them whatsoever. They were yeah. amazing. But immediately I was like, this isn't 
what you told me it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, I'm going to bounce around. Yeah, I thought it was our two show. Yeah. And then the other reason I was kind of arguing is I was like, I mean, there's not really any music videos anymore. I was like, who's who's going to be the famous guest that come on? Because, you know, it used to be like oh, yeah. NSYNC, Britney Spears, at like their prime and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have a feeling with it being MTV, it's going to be a bunch of internet kids. And I was like, that's just not the content I want to work with yeah. at all. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not going to be that. Every guest was an internet star, dude. <laughs> and they were awful <laughs> and, and like, you just had to interview them or how? i interview them um play games with them the moment i knew i was done is we were i was refereeing us of like these two vine kids who were in fake sumo outfits and they were sumo wrestling in like a jello pit and i remember <laughs> they cut to commercial and like you know like the big famous window that you can like yeah see everybody of, course, of course i caught my reflection in the window <laughs> and i literally went i hate my life <laughs> like what am i doing <laughs> this is like I'm embarrassed for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, this is not what I want to do at all. And I was giving it a bunch of chances because I, I love MTV. I love Viacom. I want to do something with them. I still do. It's, it's great for my – it's my demographic yeah, for sure. perfectly. But I remember like getting to set at 7 o'clock in the morning to go over the script and rehearse and stuff like that. And they hand me the script. And I'm like, I'm a comedian. Yeah. I can't say this stuff. Yeah. This isn't funny at all. Yeah. And they'd be like, well – we can't send it back to the writer's room with this short of notice. Like, wh- what do you want to say? I'm like, all right, well, I'll do this rewrite. And they're like, well, you can't say that. And I'm like, then what do you want me to do? Well, like, yeah, you don't let you me do me? my comedy, yet you have me writing. I was like, I'm not getting a writer's check. I shouldn't have to write my own material and not get paid for it for this this big of a production. Yeah. And it was just not my thing at all. We went on a, on a winter break and we came back and I was like, I I don't I don't want to come back. We were doing it quarterly. Um, like it was option to renew each quarter. Okay. And at the end of the quarter, I was like, I've this, it's not for me. So you did it for how long? I did it for four months okay. and then I quit and then the show got canceled the next month. Oh really? I was like, oh, I, that, I, I knew that's it. That's nice. Cause yeah. I would come back to LA on like the, like, for our winter break and like the weekends and stuff like that. And people are like, so what have you been up to? I'm like, oh, I'm hosting the show. And people, be like, oh, yeah, people be like, oh, that's on? And I'd be like, that's I, so funny. I knew it. I knew nobody was watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I was, and it would stop me. I, I was too exhausted at the end of the day to go do stand-up. Yeah. I wasn't able to go on auditions and stuff like that. So okay, I was like, I'm yeah. missing the opportunity to do the shit I want to do. Yeah. I, like, I'm doing it for the money. And I was like, it was the first time I realized like, oh shit, money doesn't actually equal happiness. Yeah. And I'd Which never had good money. To have so with- I was like, it's got to make it better. Yeah, right? So, I mean, it was, um, again, amazing opportunity. Got a lot of new fans from it. Got to work with a great network. It was just not the right project. Yeah. So, uh, after MTV, so then you moved back to LA, obviously. You have back, moved back to LA. You have your little place. You're like, um, I feel so much happier. Yeah, Fuck that, that was back in my place. I uh, had a little bit of money in the bank that went by super fast. Of course, it's amazing, right? It always does. Um, and then ever since then, it's just been grinding on stand-up and uh, trying to get this acting so, thing going. So I wanted to talk about um, the the old tweets that got mm. served. I remember one time, I've always, for some reason, maybe because I knew you when you were like 16, uh-huh. and I remember when you started, I've always felt like protective of you in a weird way. Um, Thanks, man. And, well, that's also another thing. You always say, you always say thank you. You were raised right. <laughs> I mean, most my people parents weren't. never even taught me to do that shit. I think it's just <laughs> you always normal. say thank you. I'm like, this guy's he's a good. Yeah, keep, keep doing it, man. It's very effective. Um, <laughs> thank you. I mean, you don't mean it, obviously. No, but it's fuck effective. you. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so, um, but I remember. I don't remember if this is the same thing. But there were some tweets. I guess because you were a child. I was 15. You're 15, living you, in that small ass town in Ohio. You, oh my god! And you and you tweeted what? There was two different things that got exposed. The first one, I uh, it was a couple of tweets where I had said the the, the f word referring to gay people. I, yes. I won't say it, uh, obviously. Good for you. Uh, but it was like it was ridiculous tweets. The like I I have, and this is actually something I'm working on on stage as well. I'm not going to do the bit, but like the, the premise of it being like there's a, there's a huge difference between offensive and like racism and homophobia. There's a yes. huge difference. Yes. And my shit was definitely offensive. I was it was it was something like. Silly F word, dicks are for chicks. Like something <laughs> stupid like that, where I was oh, like, damn, yeah. wordplay, got him. Like 15, <laughs> living in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. I had never even met a gay person. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would never even think that that would possibly offend somebody. Yeah. And most people, most gay people I know would not even find that offensive. They're like, that's just fucking dumb. That, that, it's it's yeah. not funny, but it's not, it's not homophobic. Yeah. I mean, so, 
It's a little funny. I mean, it's for like <laughs> enough to be like it's a rhyme. It's a rhyme. I was like, damn bars. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was no like intent behind it. Yeah. So there was those. I had there was like two other tweets kind of similar to that. Yeah. And the other one was. Uh, I was tweeting back and forth between uh, my best friend Brendan, the one that lived like a couple houses down. And Brendan is black, and he had tweeted something. I can't remember what it was. It was something dumb like Ugh, like homework on the weekends or some shit like that. <laughs> and I had quoted uh, like Chief Keef, the rapper out of Chicago, was yeah. big at this moment. Yeah. So I quoted a lyric of his, and it was from the song "Don't Like." Yeah. And this, the, if you go listen to the song "Chief Keef Don't Like," the chorus of the song is "Fuck, mm, that's that shit I don't like." And I, I tweeted the N word. In, in the lyric. Oh. And obviously, I'm saying it to my best friend. So, like, clearly I'm not going at it with racist intent. And it, it, you're showing it as a quote. Yes. Yeah. So, like, it, but, and, and an a, but I wasn't, an like, R. dash Chief Keef. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it yeah. was, like, A, I had maybe 42 followers that all yeah. lived in my hometown. Like, you don't think anything of it. And, I'm just, again, I'm saying it to my best friend. It's yeah. literally, like, you can't be fucking racist if your best friends are black. It, yeah, yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, nothing happened for years and years and years and years, and some dickhead comic, I'm not even going to give his name for the publicity, uh, went through and, and dug up those old tweets. So why did he, what was happening with you that, that so, exposed, you were getting on, so I, TRL? I, I had, no, I had no idea what was going on, and somebody tweeted me and was like, hey, so-and-so's talking shit about you on, like, on Twitter. But at this point, you're, you've, you've gotten like thousands of followers now. This point, yeah, I was like two seasons into Wild Now, I think. Okay, yeah. And, uh. So this comic was like talking shit about me on on Twitter. So I go to his page or whatever, and he's like taking my pictures from Instagram. Like me, you know how my fucking Instagram looks. It's the yeah. biggest douchiest thing ever, or whatever. And hey, man, it works. And he was like posting those pictures and being like, "This dude's a comedian, blah blah, more like a fucking tool or whatever." And I I tweeted back and was like, "What's up? Like, yeah, yeah, do you have a problem, basically?" And he was like, "No, nah, like basically." What he was trying to do was like joke, have a joking beef back and forth with me. I was like, you're not joking. Like, yeah. you think I'm actually a fucking idiot yeah. and you're trying to make fun of me in front of your tens of thousands of followers, whatever. He's big on Twitter. And I, I, I don't do that shit. So I was like, pull up, basically, like, let's fight. And by the way, I don't have a problem with that at all. All. Oh, I would still respond with that. Yeah. I, to this day, like that whole thing was such a lesson learned, and I'm glad that it happened early before the whole everybody getting exposed thing. <laughs> I'm still like that, but now I would never respond on Twitter. Like now, I'll just go see you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I will just find or out what show you're message doing and say, hey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would never do the Twitter beef shit anymore because there's yeah. no control whatsoever. No control. And then- so, so I was basically like pull the fuck up like meet me when and where like yeah. that's how i handle shit yeah like man to man let's do this and he was like oh how are you a comedian like, you can't even like take a joke and da, da, da. i was like you're not fucking joking not like joking, i might be dude. a comedian but i'm also a fucking man you're a dude like, yeah i will put my fucking hands on you no problem yeah and uh after that he and his friends just started going through like i don't, I don't need I have no fucking clue. Oh, so clue. he was talking shit about your Instagram. This is before they found your Twitter. Yes, but then once and then he they and I started to go oh. um, back and forth, then they were like, let's see if there's some shit. I can't even imagine that, what goes through somebody's uh, mind to be like, I wonder if this guy ever did anything fucked up ever in his life. That was, that's kind of, you know, that example of what happened to you mm. is almost like the first casualty of war. It really was. It was before that everybody was the first started to get example of that. I was like the first comic to get hit with it. With the old I'm glad it happened then and not now cuz now yes. it's much bigger. Yeah. Um but it's like I I apologized to everybody who could have been offended. Yeah. Um cuz I mean I was but anybody with half a fucking brain would realize I'm 15. Yes. And if you knew anything about my life, you would know where the intent of those tweets are coming from. Yeah. But it's like those people are never going to like you or ever give you a chance course, anyway. So, so you're not going to be able to please them. Do you, do you feel that, let's say now, mm-hmm. w- when and if something huge happens, mm-hmm. the next big bump for you happens? Will which it is, resurface? Yeah. I think so. But yeah. I'm at a point now where it's like I've apologized once. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. I know the person I am. I know the people I respect. My fucking best friends are black. I'm friends with an immense amount of gay people. Like it's I, I fucking love everybody exactly the same. And if you still think I'm racist or homophobic, you can literally go fuck yourself. Yeah. yeah. Or come see me in person. Yeah. Cause it's like I, I have no remorse for it because I, I did nothing. I, I've yet to do anything wrong in my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I just like that's that's my big problem of mine with like t- especially the today the world we live in. Did you watch uh, Chelsea Handler's new thing about uh, like white privilege? Oh, I've heard about. It. I haven't watched it. Yet. It's the guiltiest looking thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and it just baffles me because I'm like, if you know who you are and you know you don't have any of that hatred towards anybody in your heart, yeah, why would you feel guilty? You haven't done yes, anything I wrong. I completely agree. Well, because I don't think. Th- well, the truth is, I don't think they actually feel guilty. No, I think it's just virtue signaling. Oh, I think of they're like, I feel guiltier than you. Exactly. Everybody wants to seem like the best person. Yeah. I would never offend anybody. Like, like I, I'm a hundred percent sure I offend people all the fucking time. But yeah. does that mean it's malicious? No. Yes. Like, if you know anything about my life, I, I wouldn't. I'm much more comfortable and sure of who I am now that, like, if that shit resurfaces, I, I'm not going to apologize again. Yeah. Because I know the truth behind it. And just because you don't believe me or don't want to listen to me, I'm not going to fucking waste my time. Yeah, I do find that it's a difficult time right now to figure out how to navigate those apologies or whatever mm. it is. Because I feel like – like, look, I, I, I work with Jay Moore a lot now. Mm. And Jay Moore says the N-word in his act. Mm. He doesn't say it maliciously. He talks about his son's friend being like, yo, what's up? Mm. He's doing an impersonation of a character. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, if you're ever in a place where things are happening, are you mm-hmm. ever worried that people – he goes, what are they going to say? The, the energy only exists if you give it energy. Absolutely. And I feel like only a few people have been able to really figure that out in a way effectively with the media. Mm-hmm. Like Kevin Hart was like, I'm a comic. I'm not going to apologize. He like got like really defensive about mm-hmm. it. And then for the next six weeks, he went on like an apology tour. Yeah. It was yeah. like he did the he did he Dave did, Chappelle talked about that yeah, yeah he did the exact opposite of what he should have done yeah I, and and I and I did that at first I was very much like I mean you have to cover your ass especially yeah and, and I was genuinely like fuck I didn't realize that anybody could be offended by this yeah but now I'm at a point where like I said I I know who I am and I know where my words and jokes are coming from that I'm like if you are offended you weren't listening. Yeah, of course. And of course, you the only, paying attention. The only people who were offended were white women, let's be honest. I mean, people say, oh, no, it's, white, white dudes. White hate dudes? Me. White women kind of like me. But, of course but, they do. But white dudes. That was the funniest thing about, like, especially like the N word tweet that, that I did when I was 15, is I didn't meet a single black person who was offended by it. Of course it. not. Because they were like, yeah, I, fuck, I love Chief Keef. Like, yeah, Chief nobody, you could obviously see, like, was it wrong? Yes, shouldn't have done it. It was naive and stupid. But only white people were like, oh, he almost got away with it. Oh, my God. It's so crazy, man. Yeah, they, um, it's the worst. And luckily that went away. It, 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 it had to go away eventually. It just kind of I mean, like, disappeared. Because the world because we live in, like, everybody's attention changes like, in two weeks. It got like, I don't know if it got national news, but I remember it was like. It was definitely big in like the comedy community, for were, sure. Were you, you were probably for a minute just like worried, right? Oh, of course, because I was on MTV. MTV yeah. was like, you better fucking apologize. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm gonna. Don't I'm fucking gonna, don't worry. worry. I'm good. Um, uh, what was I saying? Uh, da, 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 da. Um, yeah, every, everyone's attention span is gone in two weeks anyways. Like the whole Shane Gillis thing, that the SNL do or whatever. Yeah. People have already forgotten about it. Yeah. Like in a week, it won't even be a fucking thought. Exactly. Which is good and bad. It's good that people forget the dumb shit like that, but bad that they forget about people like that fucking cop who just got 10 years for breaking in that dude's house because she oh, thought yeah? it was his apart- her apartment. Yeah. He shot him while he's eating cereal. Like, yeah. that should be something that, like, people should fucking riot about that. That yeah. will also well, be forgotten. She also in two got weeks. 10 years. So that's only 10, though. But that's, I mean, come on. That is a little bit of justice, right? I At mean, least she's the gotten, slightest. It's not like bit. she's like, oh, I'm on, I'm on house patrol for it's three months. It's something, but like, she should at least, I'd say at least forty. In my eyes, forty at least. Really? Like, how do you go into the wrong apartment and not be like, first of all, oh shit, this isn't my apartment. Yeah. But then even if you just see it, even if I went home and I just saw a dude on my couch eating cereal, <laughs> I wouldn't immediately shoot him. Yeah. I don't even know that I would be aggressive first. I'd be like, hey, uh, yeah, can I help you? I know. I remember when that happened. It was it was definitely it's 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 so hard now because we never know what's happening mm-hmm. with anything. We only hear if you watch Fox News, you hear mm-hmm. their point of view. If you hear MSE, their point of view. Yeah. So I don't know what happened with this woman. I'm always going to have to be like, I assume people aren't evil. You have to assume that because the world's fucking crazy, and you want to yeah. see the good and shit. But I mean, there are bad fucking people, man. And I hate <sighs> to say, cops are a lot of them. Yeah, just, I know. A, there's a lot of bad shit. And like, granted, yeah, their life is on the line every single day. You never know what somebody else is going to do. Yeah. But it's just some accounts, man, you're just like, how are you fearing for your life? Yeah. And also, if you're a cop, 
Be more fucking confident, man. Of course. I feel like cops should all be like, like you know, everybody who's like an NFL player, like fucking Jack, like the fastest, the strongest. <laughs> Those should be cops. But they're not. No. People who can literally just hold a fucking gun as a cop. Yeah, exactly. That's too much power for somebody who's not confident enough. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It, it's, you know, it's, if anything, it's more. My brother's a cop, by the way, too. Oh, really? And uh, there's a lot of lack of training mm-hmm. and a lack of. And I do know that most cops, and I've done, I've played cops in so many fucking movies mm-hmm. and TV shows, and I've talked to so many cops, and they've always told me this. Like, even when, like, hey, you're, you're going to this drug house for this role, they're like, you, you're terrified. Cops are always terrified. Well, of course. You know? Cops and I, are, and I get that, but it's like, that comes with a job, you know? You can't know. just fucking take a life when I know, it but they don't do emotional, you know intelligence training for cops they just do weapons training so they don't know Mm. if they're in a real situation how they're emotionally going to react they can't test that so these people are like and they're Mm. you know it's a shame by the way is that stuff you you do you look at when in terms of stand-up you go i want to tackle issues like that is that stuff that you that's what i was saying like i'm starting to finally kind of find my voice and like talk about those things because like i said like with most of my friends being black like this is news i hear about all the time and i always get their side of it and they're always like you know if roles reversed if if a black dude broke into uh if a black cop even broke into a white girl's apartment and shot her while she's eating cereal he'd yeah. be fucking executed yeah immediately yeah and I it's it, it's crazy but like that's being surrounded by that stuff is just kind of it's finally sinking in and I want to be able to talk about this stuff because yeah. it's it's the most political stuff that's going on in my life for sure and then also you you get to feel that as a comic you're actually being a part of like the social conversation. Mm-hmm. Which is which is always a, a delicate thing to do, and there are yeah. comics who, I mean, obviously Carlin and mm-hmm. Lenny Bruce and Richard Pryor, and um, and now Dave Chappelle, they could just Dude, do his it. new special is the first special that I felt. It was so weird. Wow. I think I watched it nine times. Like, really? I was like, everything about it was everything I I have been saying. I watched it with my best friend who I see every single day, every single night. We live right next door to each other. And we're watching the special and he kept turning to me and being like, you literally said this to me like a month ago. Wow, and like, granted, so I never knew how to formulate these things into jokes, but like just the thoughts, yeah. I was like, fuck this is why he's the fucking legend and i'm me of course Because it's like damn everything he said i was like that's how you fucking talk about that that's that's how i felt about bill burr's special and i've been so inspired ever since yeah like, I've, I've probably come up with 15 new minutes since that special just oh, wow. i was like something just clicked inside of me i felt the way about that special the way comics in like their 40s and 50s talk about like watching prior and eddie murphy yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that where i was like damn i just i loved it this was the first one that i was like wow yeah that was brilliant what do yeah. you think? Oh no, I I, I thought it was I, I I literally watched it and I said this is a seminal special. Mm-hmm. It it is a, like kind of a game changer. Like it, yeah. it, it, it's important. Comedy needed it. By the way, I don't think it's his best special. No, not his best. I think his most important though. Exactly. And then I watched Burr a week later and I go, I think this is even better for me. Mm. Burr landed a little bit stronger just because I felt like. It was a, his point of view felt more like he was more ensconced in it. Right. Dave Chappelle felt a little bit casual about stuff like I'm fucking around with well, the water. That's just his here. style, though. That I is think. His style. It's not stylistic difference. So sometimes I hate it when people go, "Oh, because one of their views of Dave Chappelle's it's it was lazy comedy." I'm like, "What the fuck? He that's didn't his... do wind sprints. What the fuck are you talking about? Lazy yeah, comedy? Yeah, It doesn't even mean anything. It's just more conversation. Yeah. Gerard Carmichael is lazy. Is lazy yeah. style comedy. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, by the way. No problem with it. Yeah. But like the whole like just sitting and pondering and yeah. not sure if this is what I say. That's lazy. Yeah. He wasn't doing that. Oh, this is lazy. I'm like, shut up. No, it was. That, that, you don't know what you're talking about, so you use the word lazy. And I, if even if he was being careful, the shit he was talking about would make anybody be like, hope this goes well. Like, Because <laughs> if it's not funny, it, yeah. it does look like a hate speech if it's not funny. Because you're going after everybody who people are sensitive about. Yeah. But I sure. felt like to me, and this is also something I'm starting to talk about in my comedy more, is that comedy needed that because n- nobody is above being made fun of. Yes, of Nobody course. is fucking special. Yes. That's why I talk about every single type of person, myself included, in my comedy. Because mm-hmm. like, the moment I go, oh, I can't joke about you, now jo- you're more important than yeah. me and so whoever else I'm talking about. No, everybody's the fucking same, just a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. That, another uh, thing that it's so funny. My friend, uh, a good friend of mine, her cousin killed himself by shooting, shooting himself in the head. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know what? I get triggered by the word, by the phrase trigger warning. 
because he pulled a trigger and killed, uh-huh. like, you know, my best friend, my cousin. Yeah. So trigger warning is a trigger for me, motherfuckers. But um, I don't know why the fuck I said that. Because <laughs> everybody was triggered by that special? Well, I, th- I think that, um, oh, they said, oh, he was punching down. Don't punch. You shouldn't punch. What does that mean, punching down? Punching down just means. Like kicking somebody while they're down? Well, no, like if you're a quote unquote marginalized group. Uh-huh. Which is anything other than a white man, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you're punching down. Okay. So Dave Chappelle and the hierarchy of intersectional whatever. Does, did they mean like like attacking it's like, almost? It's like it's like white men. Uh huh. And then white women, black men. Maybe I don't know mm-hmm. who's 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 top. And then it's like black women. Mm-hmm. And then you go to oh, gays. Cute, and then yeah. you go to like transsexuals. Mm-hmm. And then whatever the fuck else. So if you're if you're going down that way, you're punching down. Okay. Which I find like so you can only make jokes about the CEOs of Exxon. Like what the fuck is yeah, that? Yeah. How am I supposed to punch up? Yeah, exactly. You can only make, I guess you can only make fun of yourself or rich white people. But like, it's a, that's not fair. It's not stupid. Fair. I don't mean fair in the like, yeah, we should make fun of people. But like, yeah. nobody's fucking special, dude. Yeah. You exist. You should be able to be made fun of. Absolutely. I, like, I, I agree. I, and I've been talking about this on stage a lot more too. Um, uh, a good uh, one of my favorite examples about treating people different is uh, the twins who live next door to me. Yeah. So Derek and Devin, uh, twins. Derek lost his left leg to cancer in fourth grade. So we had a prosthetic leg all like middle school and high school oh, wow. and stuff like that. And like we were a very like playful group of friends. This is back when people played outside still. I was like the last generation to do that. So like, we you know playing tag, hide and go seek and stuff like that, backyard football. And Derek has this prosthetic leg and he's a kid, he's still getting used to it. And he would fall down all the fucking time. Whether it be yeah. running around the yard, just walking through the school hallway, just fucking fall. And my friends and I were just fucking gut-wrenching, <laughs> bust out laughing. Of and people were like, why would you laugh at him? That's not right. And I'd be like, if somebody with two legs fell down, you'd laugh, right? Yeah. So if I didn't laugh, I'd be treating him different. And exactly. he's not different. Yeah. He's my fucking friend and yeah. I love him. And if any of my other friends fell down, we'd be laughing just as hard. Oh, exactly. It's almost more racist not to make fun of races yeah you know what i mean if i do chocolate sunday and i like don't do anything where mm-hmm. i make fun of black people that's more right it's almost like I'm you're going afraid like, to talk about it yeah yeah the the, the the only reason they like me is because i do jokes like hey you know adam and eve eve was a black woman because she was made from a rib i mean they it's Hilarious. like they go what the fuck and they go like this guy's an asshole but they love it um I want to talk about one, uh, a couple other things. God damn, you just, you, what was the last thing you just said right before uh, that? The, the people being different. Um, oh, yeah, punch down, people being different. And Chappelle special. Oh, yeah, what you said. Oh, yeah, when I was in starting as an actor and I was doing theater, I, I Christopher Reeve came to a play. Oh, shit, okay. I mentioned this podcast, and he was in his wheelchair with his wife. Mm. And I'm like 20, you know, or something like 19, and all the actors come out on stage to meet him and his wife, mm-hmm. and they've known him. He, Christopher Reeve was an old theater stalwart. I've heard, I've heard stories. And they go, they go, oh hey, hey, Chris, don't get up. <laughs> and I remember going, oh, I was like twenty. Oh my god, I can't believe they said that. Uh-huh. But now I look back, like, okay, I get it. Good it was exactly what you're talking about. Did exactly he laugh? What you're talking about? Of course he laughed. You know what I mean? Because they're old friends for twenty years, mm-hmm. and and it's kind of like if they if they're like, oh yes, let's treat him respectfully mm-hmm. and. No, it's like you're one of us. And the people happiest and who are accepting of, of that specific condition, like they can laugh at that. You know yeah. I mean? And that's and that's a great thing. I think that's a huge part to the like I don't know, like the acceptance process for them. Like Derek being able to laugh at us laughing at him was yeah. like good. I, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that you're happy enough with how your life is turning out. Like like you know what I mean? Like you're accepting of, of who you are and like you love us for not treating yeah. you different. You don't want to be I think treated that's great. You don't want to be treated precious. Yeah. And who the fuck doesn't love a good joke, man? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. don't get up. If I'm I'm like, ah, oh, you fuckers. <laughs> like that's that's a good it's a good one. Okay, I'll I'll give you that. Yeah, that's good, man. So um we I guess we both have to go because we both have shows coming up, but um yeah. I didn't get to ask you about Kate Beckinsale, man. Uh, I, I can't <laughs> talk about it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Matt, thank you so much for coming. Man. I've been wanting you on for a while. I know. I think, I'm glad we finally look, made it man. Happen. If I, I had, and this is, if you guys do not know Matt Reif, um, you will soon. You're, you're, dude. Hopefully. You're a great comic. You're Thanks, a great man. guy. Thank you. If I was taking stocks and comics, uh, you know, there's like a thousand dollars I put down. <laughs> I'd put it on you, sure. You, you, Thank you, you, man. You know, you you featured for me a few times, and mm. you, and you're and you're fucking great. And when, I, when you're going to feature for me in Reno, I was like, 
this motherfucker's getting too big. Fucking headlining, and you got a headline. You're headlining. I did, thank set. God, man. I'm nervous about it though. I've never, I've never headlined like a New Year's Eve, which I've heard is really just like hosting a party. Oh, dude, you'll like be you're fine. not even doing a set, really, right? Uh, you're just kind of hosting I mean, drunk no, people. You do, but like you'll be fine. Just at, at midnight, you do the little fucking toast where the fuck it is. Okay, maybe it's maybe fine. I'll make them miss it by like a minute just to fuck with them. <laughs> like just go over my time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. You're on, anyway, uh, Matt Rife, and you can check him on your Matt Rife and all social medias. Yeah, just on everything, dude. Uh, real quick, cool story of how I got my. Twitter because my yeah. Twitter used to be It's Matt Rife and I had that oh, show yeah. with Chrissy Teigen and like she loves me now yeah. and she was like why don't you have your fucking using it because she was trying to tweet me and she was tweeting like a, a fake account and she sent out one tweet to Twitter like can you give him his name and they changed like the next day oh wow I was so, like I've been trying to get my publicist to do this shit for like a year that's amazing that woman is powerful and great yeah Chrissy. yeah just Matt Rife on everything all right man thanks for coming buddy thank you man Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode of The After Laugh. If you liked it, make sure you give it five stars on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and please spread the word. Thank you so much for supporting and check out our other podcasts on the Laugh Factory Network, Fanatics with Sean Joshi. It's the After Laugh, After Laugh. Welcome to the After Laugh, After Laugh, After Laugh. <laughs> after Laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>